Hello, and welcome to this week's podcast presented by Freedom Life Church. We hope you find today's message uplifting and encouraging as we dive into God's Word together. If you need any information about our church or this message, please go to wearefreedomlife.com. Now let's get right into it. The year was 1776 and the American colonies were in the midst of a revolution. The colonists had declared that their independence from Great Britain and were now in a fight for their freedom. John Adams was a lawyer and a politician. He was also one of the most influential people in the fight for independence and the establishment of these United States of America. But he was faced with a difficult decision. He had been asked to sign the Declaration of Independence, a document that would officially declare the colonies independence from Great Britain. He knew that signing it, that document would mean that he would be putting his life and the lives of his family in danger. It would also mean that he was committing treason against the British crown. And the official punishment for treason was execution by hanging. John Adams had to choose between doing what he felt was right for the colonies and doing what he felt was best for himself, his family, and the future. The most that most of us know, some of us know the the situation and some of the details in that, but after much deliberation, he chose to sign the Declaration of Independence. This decision was not only a brave one, but it changed the course of American history. As we look at today's message and the teaching that I'm about to bring to you, I need us to understand something. There was a struggle between two very powerful forces during that day. And no, it wasn't the people on the battlefield, though that was some of it. There was a critical decision that needed to be made by one man. Nay, all the men that signed the Declaration of Independence, their face was later to be broadcast and told, and their story was to be told for years and years and years to come. But they had to make a decision first. You see, in this case, two worlds have been consequences. There have been consequences affecting them. If they decide to sign, that's a world that they choose to sign for. If they choose not to sign, that's the world they choose to sign for. How many know that a decision that you make is a decision, but a decision that you don't make is also a decision? That is the essence of our faith. My friends, listen to me. Not making a decision doesn't mean you didn't make a decision. When you stay quiet about a matter, guess what decision you're making? This is a problem in our day that there are two kingdoms and some people won't talk about it. The kingdom of this world and the kingdom of the world that is to come, that has always been, but is to come again and will reign victorious. That is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has always been. Do you realize that? The kingdom of God has always been. It's always been. But we see the culture 
as that is our kingdom. But friends, I'm going to tell you right now, as we look at this, these two-part series from Palm Sunday leading into Easter, we look at this series, King of All Kingdoms, and this morning's message entitled, When Kingdom Meets Culture. When Kingdom Meets Culture. You see, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on what we now call Palm Sunday, we see that there was going to be a struggle even there. If I, if I could for just a moment flash back with me, not that some of you are that old that you lived there in Palm Sunday, but what I'm saying is, if you would put your mind with me in those days, those people as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, listen, not on a victorious, beautiful horse, lavish in its hair and broad in its strength, but it was a donkey. A donkey. Why would the king of kings, the lord of lords, Ride on a donkey. Friends, there's a problem. In our mindset, we saw, couldn't you have done it a little better, Jesus? The answer is no. You're right. It was so amazing that he did that. What are you talking about? He could have done this so much better. His power was not on what he was writing. His power was what would be later written. His power was in the Father. It's what we will be writing about in the lives and in the journals and in the, the crux of our lives. We say to ourselves, they could have been so much. And the, the Jews thought the same, didn't they? They thought that, it, that when the Messiah would come, he would free them from Rome. That's what he's going to free us from. But really, he was freeing them from Egypt. Some of you are like, that wasn't an issue. That was Exodus. Oh, it was still an issue, my friends. Exodus is still an issue today. Exodus has not gone away. It's just no longer a place. Egypt, I should say, right? It's no longer a place, but a state of mind and a state of the heart. You see, the people on the day that Jesus rode in, on that day, what did they do? Come on, somebody Somebody in the back of the camera, take a picture of this because this is going to be pretty cool. You ready? Everybody hold up your palms right now. Come on. I need you to take this right now and just hold it up. You know what they did? Hold it up. Some of y'all holding it weird. Okay, hold it like this. Some of you like. Okay, just. All right, with me for a moment. Hold it up for a second because you know what this symbol is? You know what this symbol was? This was here he comes. This is what that stood. As they, as they saw him coming into Jerusalem, they were laying these on the ground. Hold it up high. Come on. Some of you are like, I'm too cool to do that. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Be uncool for a second if you may. But as they held it up, didn't they say, they were like, Hosanna. Hosanna. You know what they were saying? He's come. The Messiah has come. They declared it. Are you with me? 
So when you hold this up, understand what you're saying is he is coming. He's coming back. Come on, tap your neighbor. Tell him he's coming. He's coming. Okay, hold it up for like the next 40 minutes. Okay, just hold. <laughs> Someone be like, Pastor Tony, my arm. Hold my arm up. It's like Moses. Just hold my arm up. A lot of references happening this morning. A lot of references. A fortress of scripture. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus alone is Lord over culture. The culture wants to say that they claim it. We own it. We are what's trending. Listen, that person is trending for as long as they're trending. They're only as, as important as long as they, right? As long as they're hashtagging them, they feel very, very important. Hashtag, that's the number. It's the one with the lines. What happens is some of us still call it pound. Pound? Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's no longer, it's hashtag. Just let it go. <laughs> what we understand to be is this. We think for a moment that it's the trending that causes the culture. But really, impact is what causes a culture to be changed. Everybody's important until they're no longer trending. Everybody's important, but guess what? They even had to take the Bible off the bestseller list because it would never give anybody a chance to be number one. It's the number one best-selling book in all the world, and they literally had to remove it. They had to remove the Bible from becoming number one bestseller because they would never give anybody a chance. The Bible sells and is read more than any book, any document in the history of the planet. And they had to remove it and exclude it. And it's not the beginning. That's just the beginning of them excluding the scriptures. I'm not shocked by that. Number one bestseller, most read. Is there another book more than this sold, more than this read? We're talking millions and millions of copies daily that are being distributed around the globe. I can't even tell you how many Bibles we've given out. I'm telling you right now that Jesus is Lord over culture. He just chooses to allow the culture to bow to him. He's not running the culture. He's not running. They said Hosanna, but he knew that in seven days, they would no longer be saying Hosanna. They'll be saying crucify him. How fickle are we? And in seven days, things would change dramatically. So let's get in it, as he is king of kings and king of culture. We look at this passage that we're going to read this morning for a few moments, and we see the passage, and it begins with the arrest of Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. How many remember that? And Jesus is first taken before the Jewish leaders, and then he's taken before Pontius Pilate. All these people thought they had power. And yes, in the culture, they might have shown that they had some power. But as they brought him before Pontius Pilate, who was the Roman governor of Judea, Pilate is perplexed as to why Jews have brought Jesus before him. And he quickly discovers that it's because of the religious and political tensions that Jesus brought to the table. They didn't see him doing what they thought he should be doing. Have you ever thought Jesus should be doing something that he's not doing right now? 
That doesn't make him, them very different from us, does it? There's so many times I thought Jesus should have been doing something. Like, Jesus, you should be handling this right now. This is really getting out of hand. This is really difficult right now. This over here, you, are you not seeing this, God? We need you here. But God is very aware. I need you to look at me for a moment. God is very aware as to what's happening in our culture today. God has his hand on certain things, and those things he has his hand on are because they called on him. The things that God does not have his hand on is because they have said, we want nothing to do with you, God. God help us. Because there's a lot of things in this world that have said, hands off, God. We don't need you, we don't want you, and you're not welcome here. And guess what? God's going to say, as you wish. He's not going to force his hand upon anybody. Now, there'll come a day where they're going to say what they want to say, and he's going to say, nope, it's my turn to talk. And I'm glad that there was a day in my life where he said, shh, it's my turn to talk. And he got a hold of my life and rescued me. And because he rescued me, I've been able to rescue others. And because they were rescued, they were able to rescue others. Have you seen what God has done? I'm telling you, if we begin to walk in obedience, the, uh, the opportunities for us to affect the world in such a magnificent way, because we pay attention to the king of all kingdoms. Pilate questions Jesus, finds out that he is indeed claiming to be king of the Jews. Problem? Eh, not so much with him because he's not a religious person. He puts Pilate in a difficult position, though, as he must now either support the Jews or support the Romans. Now, Jesus making a declaration of who he is always puts people in an awkward moment. Every single one of you have been put in an awkward moment at one point, one point in your life or another where you had to choose Jesus or the culture. And he does this to Pilate. And so either way, he, he must decide whether he was, he's going to support the Jews or support the Romans. And either way, there will be consequences. So let's look at John 18. Everybody turn with me to John 18. If you don't have a Bible, you should have one. If you need one, we'll get one for you. But John 18, here we go. We're going to begin in verse 28, and we're going to read through a few verses together. I'll give you a moment. John chapter 18, beginning in verse 28. For those of you that do not have a scripture with you, we have provided some on the screen for you. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanliness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out of them, to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. Did you see Pilate pushing him off? Take him, take him. I want nothing to do with this. I don't want to have to make a decision. Have you ever pushed God off because you didn't want to make a decision? Okay, I digress. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone. They objected. 
This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him a question. He asked him this, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and the chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom, everybody say my kingdom, is not of this world. And he goes on to say this. If it were my servants, if it were my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders, but now my kingdom is from another place. You are king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews, gathered there, and said. Notice for a moment, he asked a question and then walked away. <laughs> He's like, what is truth? And then walked away. I find no basis for this charge, he says to the crowd, against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at this time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? <laughs> I'm going to stop right there because there is the struggle of the century. Because now they had to say out loud with their mouths, he is not king. He is not our king. He's not king of the Jews. But if they did say he is king, then they would be beaten up and God knows what would happen in that, in that uh, courtyard as they would confess that Jesus was something that he claimed to be. See, John 18, we see two kingdoms. They're colliding right now. The kingdom of Rome and the kingdom of God. And now Jesus stands in the middle saying, my kingdom is not of this world, though he owns all things. He says, my heart is the kingdom of God. Where I am, that's what I rule. Here, you guys can make decisions, but this is only temporary. Are you hearing me? I'm not telling you this is what he said now. I'm saying, if you look at the body of scripture, he's saying to everyone, you can do what you want to do now, but my kingdom will eventually reign. You can say what you want to say, do what you want to do, but at the end of the day, my kingdom rules. How many are grateful for the fact that his kingdom rules? Amen. It's a good, good thing. See, he's been, on the, he's been a thorn on the side of these Jews for years now. Ever since he started his public ministry, he kind of went over to John the Baptist and was like, hey, listen, uh, baptize me. Dove came down symbol of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I need us to understand um, that at that particular passage, I need us to understand something. The Holy Spirit came down and touched Jesus in that baptism. A lot of people think that, um, that they say it was, it was a dove that came down. Yes, but the Spirit came down like a dove. Let's understand that the Holy Spirit touched Jesus 
in that baptism. There was something that happened in that place. And ever since that moment, when the Holy Spirit touched Jesus, things got a little crazy. Because when he started his ministry, people started talking. And you know what happens when people talk? Feelings get hurt, sides get taken, and then we, be, then we have the struggle. And there's always been a struggle since Jesus started his ministry. Have, has God started something in you and there's been trouble ever since? Did God ever tell you that you're going to do something, but they've been struggling ever since? Listen, that's how you know God, is, God has his hand on your life. If there's been a struggle the whole way, you're doing something right. Congratulations. Well done. Well done. If you said yes to Jesus and you haven't had a single struggle, see me after service. I really like to pray with you and also get some tips. Because ever since I said yes to Jesus, there's been some struggles with the capital struggle. What kingdom will you bow to and what kingdom will you serve? That's what happened on Palm Sunday. That day they decided he is Hosanna. They serve they love, and they laid all of them down. Imagine every time you wake up in the morning, you wake up and someone helps you uncover and then lays down palms as you walk to the bathroom. And then as you come out of the bathroom, they're standing there with a towel, and, and then they'll just, as you walk to the kitchen, they're like, First of all, some of you be like, who are you and what are you doing in my house? <laughs> While you appreciate it, that would be kind of strange. But when Jesus walked into Jerusalem here in a donkey, there was nothing majestic about that. Why? Because he wasn't worried about what he was riding. He knew who he was. And he knew his mission. So whether horse or donkey, it didn't matter. We look for the majestic. The big, the broad, the sparkly. Whatever shined and looked amazing and masculine. Not a donkey. That's not the way I thought it would happen. That's probably what a lot of the Jews said, right? Pilate knows that at this moment when he starts saying things like, King, this is not my kingdom. When you say this is not my kingdom, automatically you're assuming kingship over something. So he was making it very clear that he was king over something or someone. Rome, Rome didn't look kindly upon leaders who would say that they were kings. Rome, yet at the same time, didn't find fault with Jesus. They, they realized he was not a threat. Why? Because he was not attempting to be king of the culture. He had his own kingdom. That's why Jesus said, whose face is it? Render to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Why? Because there are two kingdoms. And my friends, brothers and sisters, and those of you that I haven't met yet, all of you on the same page, we all have to decide for ourselves one day, who will we serve? And that day is today. 
Everything that we do culminates to a day when we will stand before him. Have you been in the middle of a tough decision lately? And you said to yourself, I have to make a decision on what I'm going to do here. That crossroad moment, if you would. So let's talk about the two kingdoms for a moment. I don't have points like a normal message this morning, but I do have some thoughts that I want to share with you because I feel like this is the road that we're taking. So watch this for a moment, if you would. Let's talk for a moment about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God brings salvation and hope. Say it with me, salvation and hope. It brings salvation and hope to the people of God, and it's largely an unseen force and the essence and the foundation of Christianity. That's the kingdom of God. How many would agree with that? Yes, salvation and hope. Those are the two things that God offers in his kingdom, salvation and hope. Then we look at the kingdom of Rome, of the culture of that day. If you would, uh, let's, re- let's stay in text with what we're talking about. At that day when Jesus was being um, questioned by Pilate, the kingdom at that time in question was Rome. So let's look at Rome for a moment. The, the kingdom of Rome, on the other hand, represented power and authority. It was a political and military force. And one that was determined to maintain its control over all the land and everyone in it. Their goal was to be in control of everything, power and authority, power and authority. That was Rome. And if you read any history books, you know that was the case. Rome was a force, a force that was forcing itself upon you. And that's no different than the force we see today, forcing itself upon you. Culture telling you, you must have a phone in your hand 23 hours a day. You must, uh, you must have at least three social media uh, connection points. You must, you must do this and you must do that and, and you must do this and telling you everything you must do. And God is like, must you? Is that really that important? The kingdom of God is about salvation and hope. If you know more, if you're known for more, no more than just your posts, you've left your post. If you're only known by your posts, then you've left your post. Are you with me? You've left the idea of what God really intended for you. Don't leave your post. Don't leave the place you're supposed to be standing. Don't leave the place you're supposed to be guarding your home, your family, your spouse, whatever that looks like, guard that post and guard it with all your heart. Salvation and hope versus power and authority. But here's the secret. Are you ready? Jesus has all four. Jesus, this is the part where I thought you'd say amen. I wasn't sure, but say amen. Yep, my notes said to say amen. Good job. My notes told me that you should say it. Jesus has all four. Salvation. I'm seeing you catching on. Salvation and hope, power and authority, all that is in Jesus. And I'm telling you right now that if you think you're forsaken power and authority, you're mistaken because God has given you power. 
power and authority through the Holy Spirit. That's what happened in the upper room when he said, wait for me, wait for me. And he poured out what? Power and authority through the Spirit of God. All they had was salvation and hope. And that was to hold and cling. They were supposed to hope and cling in that and hope in that until Pentecost. And on Pentecost, fire of God hit that upper room for the people that were obedient enough to hang around. And he gave them number three and number four. They had salvation and hope. Now they were looking. The world thought they had power and authority until they met Jesus. That's why they were so angry. You ever met someone that's just angry all the time because they can't have their way? Stop pointing at your neighbor or your friend or your spouse. You ever met someone that's so angry and they're so angry because they think they have power, but they don't? Or you, they give somebody power at your job. I'm, I'm, okay, so some of you are going to like really say amen on this one. You know somebody at your job that they were not so powerful, but when they got power or some sort of uh, uh, authority, they flipped out and they became a whole different person. Some of you, look, testify, Holy Spirit right there. Just Some of you are like sleeping. And then I said that, you're like, yes, I know him, Charlie. Stan. Gregory. Some of y'all just woke up. Congratulations. Welcome. We're talking about people that take power and they run with it. They don't know where they're running, but they're running. And they cause more damage than good. See, the people of God have salvation and hope with Jesus. If you hang around salvation and hope long enough, you start realizing the power and authority are yours. I've given it to you, Jesus said. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And he gives that to each of his believers that walk in his Holy Spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? That you don't have to forsake power and authority. You just have to walk in the right one and be led by the right kingdom. Or even better, the right king. See, because the kingdom of this world will try to tell you that it has power and it doesn't. It's limited. You ever heard of, you ever got stung by limited warranties? How many ever got stung by limited warranties? It's like, for the next three days, you can have this product, limited warranty. And usually it's 30 days or something like that. Or one year limited warranty. Limited. They tell you limited. You know why? Because it doesn't cover everything. All right, so you got to read that fine print, right? But what happens like one year and a day later? And you're like, oh, they planned that. They just knew it would break down a year and a day later. I had a one-year warranty. That's exactly what the world is. They overpromise and underdeliver. Rome overpromised and underdelivered. The power that Rome swore they had, they didn't. And Jesus made it very clear that day. See, the struggle between these two kingdoms is one that has been going on for centuries. Do you realize that? That the culture, the kingdom of culture and the kingdom of God are two different things? Are you with me? So let's look at the worldview for a moment. Let's look at the worldview. 
The culture of Rome was one of power and control. It sought to maintain its power and control by any means necessary. This included things like crucifying those who challenged the authority, military force, and whatever it takes to keep people in check. The Romans were unforgiving, unrelenting, and in dire pursuit of control. That was what they operated on. Sound familiar? Does it sound familiar at all? No? Okay, I'll keep reading. The culture of God is a little different, though. See, the culture of Rome claimed one thing, but the culture of God said this. It is one of love and grace, and it's a kingdom that seeks justice and mercy for all people, not just the people that obey, but all people, regardless of their station in life. It is a kingdom that focuses on bringing back the good news of salvation and hope and the restoration for all mankind. Are you following what I'm saying to you? There's a kingdom of God and the kingdom of Rome. And that's Rome is a symbol in this message here. It's a symbol of our modern culture that swears they dominate everything it touches, but really it just kills everything it touches. Everything the world touches falls apart. Because the world has left God in a lot of ways. But there are people of God. I'm not giving you the bad news. I'm giving you the good news. Are you hearing me? But because the people of God are still around. Everyone look at me right here. Everyone, nothing else focused right here. Because the kingdom of God is still around, there's still salvation and hope available to all people. Thank the living God right now. Thank the living God right now. The culture of Rome, power and control. The culture of God, love and grace. The people of God, we should carry love and grace in every way we can. That's our mission. So if you would, with me for a moment, as we realize that it's a struggle Understand that these moments cause us to make significant decisions in our lives. As we have already seen, there are consequences to the decisions that were made. When Jesus walked into Jerusalem on that donkey that day, there was a decision that he made was to, was to ride in. And not only that, did you know that in, in just doing that alone, that was another prophecy fulfilled in the Old Testament? And so we look upon the hundreds of things that Jesus did in his earthly ministry that caused us to look at and go looking back and say, he fulfilled this prophecy and that prophecy and that prophecy and that prophecy. And we can look back and see that, but they didn't see it that day. Did you know that you right now are writing history? The things that you do will be remembered. Unfortunately, our culture today highlights the people that go into schools and shoot individuals and create heroes indirectly, but still directly by sharing that person's detailed life instead of the life of the ones that died and highlighting them instead of the murderer or the person that caused something and saying, poor victim, poor this. Guess what? There are six innocent people that lost their lives. Uh, just recently, and everybody wants to focus on the one that took them. That's a shame on our culture and a shame on our media. 
What should be the focus is there are six people, six souls that were innocent, that lost their lives. Stop broadcasting the name and face of the, of the individual that kills and murders innocent lives. That's the culture we live in. They want to highlight power and authority. And this person did this. How about we start realizing that there's salvation and hope in Jesus so that we can pray for these families. Let's broadcast the names of the individuals that lost their lives and say, pray for these families. How many agree we need to pray for the six families that were affected? That's what we need to do. And stop broadcasting people that did this mess. And this is not just recently. This has been happening for years now. I'm sick of it. I don't know if you are, but I am. I'm sick of seeing faces of individuals that murdered innocent souls. I want to know how to pray for our nation. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn, then I will hear from heaven. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's who we pray to. He's not afraid of culture, but I tell you this right now. He's going to allow the culture to do what it wants to do sometime. Because he's not going to control people. But you know what he is doing? He's telling the people, God, activate and start realizing who you are. Because power and authority has been given to you. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? You call yourself a believer, but you haven't opened your Bible unless somebody told you to. There's no way you're going to be in this fight without sword training. Open up the Bible and learn. Grow. Follow Jesus every single day. When Jesus is called King of Kings and Lord of Lords, guess what's happening? In the end, all rulers will be conquered and abolished but him. When he's called King of Kings and Lord of Lords, it means he alone will reign supreme as King and Lord of all the earth. There is no power, no king, no Lord who can oppose him because he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When he's called King of Kings and Lord of Lords, he has preeminence over all rulers, over all things. As he speaks scripture into your life, hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Come to me. Come to me, and I will show you what my kingdom is about. The writer of Hebrews speaks of the Lord Jesus. He says, he is the radiance and the glory of God. The exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his mouth. Hebrews 1.3. Did you hear that? He is the radiance and the glory of God and the exact imprint nature. He upholds by the word of his mouth, the power of God. The next verse speaks Jesus like this. He is much superior even to the angels. Clearly his rule is over creation and absolute. Did you know that? Did you know that Jesus' power is absolute? That means nobody else has more. Nothing on this earth can supersede the power of our Savior. He is Savior and he is Lord. So let's talk about the significant decision that has to be made. In this passage in John 18, things come to a head. Pilate is forced to make a decision. And will he choose the kingdom of the culture 
that tells him, or will he choose the kingdom of God? Pilate chooses the kingdom of Rome. He condemns Jesus to death. This decision of Pilate carries tremendous implications. And we look at it and we have to realize we cannot rely on the power and the authority of the world. It is fleeing and it ends in destruction. Here's my thought to you. Instead, we must put our faith in the kingdom of God. He is king who holds all things together. He holds all things together. And so I want to invite you to help me make this world more like the kingdom of God. That's my invitation to you today. Are you with me? My invitation is not, let's make this place a positive place. No, my call is simple. Let's make this place more like the kingdom of God every single day. The kingdom of God is one of love and grace and self-sacrifice and forgiveness. The kingdom of justice and mercy. The kingdom is focused on bringing about good news, salvation, and hope. That's why this year we're going to feed more people than we've ever fed. We're going to love more people than we've ever loved. We're going to shake and hug more people than we ever did. I'm getting six feet closer than I did years ago. I'm going to love, hug, shake hands, and embrace people that are in the worst of their moments because those worst of their moments, when you come in with love and grace, could be the best moment they ever had because of your sacrifice of being able to take your time and spend it with them and hear them and love them and care for them. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. The kingdom of this culture says, hey, tough, tough luck. It'll get better for you later. Kingdom of God says, how can I help? How can I pray? How can I be a part of the solution instead of being a part of the problem? Surely pop culture can't answer our questions. TikTok sure don't have all the answers. Political leaders sure don't have all the answers. The brightest thinkers and innovators, they may come up with some good ideas, but they don't have all the ideas. The followers of Jesus, we, my friends, have power and authority like no one else on this planet because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. And so we choose between the kingdom of culture and the kingdom of God every single day. Did you realize that? Raise your hand if you realize that. You have to choose between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this culture every single day. That's why Matthew 6 said this, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. There's a reason why we tell God, for yours is the kingdom and the power. 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 Say it over and over and over again. When you're going through struggles, stop. Close your eyes and say, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. When you're going through a tough time, stop for a moment because everything else wants to overshadow the power of God. And I'm telling you right now, if you just close the whole world out, close your eyes and say, for yours is the kingdom and the power of glory. Echo Matthew for a moment and just say it to yourself. Declare it to yourself. Tell your flesh what it's supposed to believe. Stop allowing your flesh to dictate to you how you should live. And you instead start realizing that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. For yours 
is the kingdom and the power forever. You with me? How many get what I'm saying this morning? For yours is the kingdom. Yours, come on, yours is the kingdom. Jesus walked into Jerusalem. He knew, he knew that he would be popular just for a little while. You need to know the same. That when you stand up for God, there's going to be a couple of people that are going to be like, hey, good for you. That's fantastic kind of got your life right for those of you that really have not really made a full commitment to Jesus there's going to come a time when some are going to cheer you on <laughs> but then when you start changing your life they'll start questioning whether you're too good for them and you have to be ready to say it's not that I'm too good for you is that he's been so good to me. It has nothing to do with you, but everything to do with what he did. You with me? Understand this morning that we didn't just want to give you some fun palms to hold on to, but this is a declaration that Jesus is welcome because he's coming. He's here. He's on his way. So I'm asking you today, are you willing to say yes to the kingdom of God and turn your back on the kingdom of this culture? Stop worrying so much about what they think of you. It's fleeting because they may like you one minute, but then if you don't do one thing that they like, they'll turn on you. So I stopped a long time ago really, really caring about the world, what the world thinks of me. Because at the end of the day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And it won't be to the culture. It'll be to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what really matters. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Father, I thank you that in this world, there is an opportunity to bring salvation and hope to people. I'm asking you in this place, would you give us the opportunity to say yes to you as you have here this morning. Receive us unto yourself. We need you to receive us because if we don't have you, we don't have anything. You are everything. And so today, God, I'm asking you, in the name of Jesus, would you pour out your grace upon every person that hears my voice? Would you pour out salvation and hope? Would you let them know that this world will fail them, but you never will? May they embrace the truth of your word, and may they follow the way the righteous God we serve. Lord, we thank you for your love. 
the power, the authority. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. Stand with me if you would. There's a verse on the screen right now. I would like all of us to say it together. Look up at the screen and let's read this together. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God be with you. Love God. Love people. Change the world. Pastor Corey, come on up here for one.